I know that I said welcome at the opening of our uh, online worship service, but there's likely been dozens of people that have joined us online since we got started. And so for those of you that have joined us online, welcome. We're glad that you're with us right now. For those that have um, home churches that maybe can't live stream, is thanks for being with us. Support your home church. Um, but we want to worship together and we want to receive encouragement from God. I was already on a series called uh, Living Hope. And, uh, and before this all happened, before we knew that we weren't going to be able to meet in person together, and, uh, and yet it just seems so timely. And so we're going, to, um, we're going to talk about what does it look like to have a living hope in the midst of life. Um, what we do know is, is you know, it's, it's awkward for us right now. There's just five of us in the church building right now. And, uh, and we're just making sure everything's set up for us to be able to meet online. We know that um, things like a virus have happened before. We're just surprised because of the advancement of medicine and technology, and we think that there should be better answers. We think that this kind of thing maybe shouldn't happen as much in our day as it has happened in the past. But um, the truth is, is even in the midst of the surprise and the questions and all of those kinds of things, um, we're, um, we're where we're at. And so we need to adjust. But that doesn't mean that we can't have hope. Biblically speaking, hope is an interesting thing. Hope isn't wishful thinking. It's not saying, I wish this would have never happened. It's not a shot in the dark. It, it, instead, it springs from something even greater than itself. And as I was preparing for the service this week is, is I was just kind of looking at that whole idea of hope and, and hope doesn't come from something inside of us, at least not biblical hope. Hope comes from a better foundation. And biblically speaking, it comes from faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. You know, people long ago, there were often people in Old Testament times, they were looking for the promised land. Um, they were looking for a better place, a better story, a better life. And you know, some of them never got to see it. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that some of them never got to see it. And yet they were, they were having faith that one day that they would see it, even if they didn't see it in this present lifetime. And they were commended for their faith and faith is a confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. So sometimes we can't see what's happening over the horizon of tomorrow. We don't know exactly how things are going to turn out. Like particularly right now with the coronaviruses, is we know that there are a lot of really smart people that are working on this situation right now. We know that the whole world is in the same situation and that every government, every person in decision-making positions Every scientist, every medical worker all over the world are working on this right now. We have first responders that right now are caring for people that are sick. And we commend them for that. And we can pray for them and say thank you. And we can also know that there is hope. There's hope. But I want you to lean into another kind of hope. A different kind of hope than just wishful thinking. Or any hope that can be provided for us from what we're hearing on TV is, is there's another hope and it leads every other hope that we could possibly have. And it's more likely to provide assurance and wisdom for this day and this hour. 
And that hope is based on faith. And of course, faith in the biblical author, God, our Father and our Creator. Now, I recognize that there's a lot of questions right now. There's a lot of questions that all of us have is, is why is this happening to us? And it might even be even before this. Why is there so much conflict in the, the world? Why do so many bad things happen? Why does God allow so much evil? And those are all valid questions. And I don't know that I can even answer the big questions that there are like these. What I do know is, is that there are some answers in the Bible, that there's some comfort um, from God's word. When God created the world, it's so interesting is, is because we, we see the brokenness of our world now, but when God created the world, it was perfect. Is it, when he created the world, he looked at his creation and said, wow, that's good. For those of us that live in Big Timber, Montana, um, we get that feeling is, is when I get up in the morning and I look down my street, I look down Bramble Street and I can see the beautiful, crazy mountains and I say, wow, that's good. And even better, I can look in the other direction at the Beartooth Mountains and I can say, wow, that's good. That's exactly God's response to creation is, is when he created the world all the way down to the apex of his creation, man and woman, he said, wow, that's good. I am so happy with the results. And this is important for us to remember. The creation that we live in is not an accident and neither are you. The brokenness that you see in the here and now is not an indication of God's lack of good or his love for his creation. I I believe with all of my heart that he still looks at his creation today, including you, and says, wow, that's good. Yes, I know that there's a lot of bad things that happen in the world, and I know that right now um, we're going through something that that is, uh, is very different for us, something that's very challenging. Uh, and yes, I know that there's an abundance of evil. And yet, you know, Scripture helps us understand why. God in his goodness did not make the angels or mankind. He doesn't make angels or mankind obey him. God invites all angels and mankind to live in his love. And yet the biblical story reminds us that evil is the opposite of God's love and that angels and mankind can choose to live outside of his love. And the Bible tells us exactly that. The Bible tells us that Satan was an angel and his, his name literally meant morning star, a light in the skies. And that when he chose not to live in the love of God, that he fell from his beauty. And ultimately, his deception affected all of us so that now we experience the brokenness that we're living in right now. We experience both sin, which we can call moral evil, and sickness and death, which is natural evil. We have two kinds of evil that affects every one of us. We have the sin that we find in ourselves and find in the world. Sometimes that sin gets inflicted on us. Sometimes we commit those sins. And so there's this moral evil that we find. And then we have the brokenness of our world, which we can see every time there's something like a tornado, which happened in Nashville just a few weeks ago. 
or a virus like we're experiencing right now. And so we're, we're in this brokenness. I want to share an illustration with you that's been in my mind all week long, and I can't just, I, I can't quite shake it. And I know that it's not going to be a perfect illustration, but, but I still want to share it. When I was little, I was, I can't even remember what age. I was probably um, four, five, six years old. I was really young. And I was riding in the back of our pickup with my um, brothers and whatever. Not all, not all of my siblings were even born at that time, but I was riding in the back of our pickup and we were coming back from my aunt's house. And back then you could actually do that. And, uh, and my dad's red high lift jack was in the back of the pickup there. And for some reason, I just found it so intriguing. And, uh, and I saw all of the little holes in it, and I saw that handle, and for whatever reason, I was just so intrigued that I ran my hand up and down the handle of the jack, and then without thinking about it, I stuck my finger in one of those little holes. It went in just fine, but when I tried to pull it out, it would not come out. And the more that I worked on it, the more stuck it seemed to become, and then finally, fear took over. And the tears came and I just burst out crying. And somehow one of my brothers got a hold of my dad and got my dad's attention. And so dad stopped the vehicle and he um, tried to get my finger free to no avail. We just happened to be near a gas station. And so we went there and dad went in and he asked the service people if they had anything that could help. And I can't remember what all they tried. They actually tried several things. And, and so they probably tried butter and then they tried oil. I remember that they tried oil and grease and none of those things would help my finger get free, whatever we could think of. And by the time um, that, uh, that they had kind of exhausted every, um, everything that they could try, my finger was likely swelling and it was making a bad situation worse. And even as a little kid, I was wondering, were they going to have to cut my finger off? In desperation, my dad, without warning me, he grabbed my hand and he jerked it, freeing my finger along with all of the skin from the sides. But he freed it from its prison. Now, some of you might ask, why did he do that? Why would he do that And I want to suggest a reason. I want to suggest that it's because he loved me. Now, I don't know what was in the back of his mind at that particular time. And desperation was probably in the back of his mind. But deep down, I think he just wanted me to be free. I didn't sin by sticking my finger into the jack. No one told me not to do it. But I was still stuck and I needed to be free. And I know that this illustration is faulty on a lot of levels, but I want to suggest that the pain that we're going through right now as a nation and as a world cannot be easily explained. But God's love is not dependent on our circumstances. It's not dependent on us being stuck or not stuck. Yes, we are stuck right now. Yes, we cannot get free on our own. But I want to suggest that without God's help, that 
um, that we're going to be even more stuck. And I want to suggest that even though it feels like we're stuck, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. I want to encourage you right now to lean away from questioning the love of God and rather lean into the love of God. Because that's what God's people have done throughout history, particularly during times of trial. Is that the people of old, that they had faith in God and and from it this, this confidence and this assurance and this hope that sprang from the belief that God's always at work regardless of the circumstances and that we can always lean into his promises even when we can't see when they're going to be fulfilled. And so this morning, just even as we look into God's word, just remembering that God's always at work and that our trials don't speak of a lack of love on his part. In fact, the apostle Peter, he wrote two letters and the first one was to encourage God's people who were going through a terrible time. Their trials were actually the result of sin. Rome saw them as troublemakers. Rome um, just wanted to get rid of them rid of them. And, and because Rome saw them as troublemakers, and because they wanted to get rid of them, these um, believers, the first believers in Jesus, they were taken from their homes and they were exiled to a faraway place where they became refugees. And they were seen by the local people as strangers and they were marginalized in every way that you could possibly imagine. And yet Peter, in the opening of his letter, says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Both of which were physically unobservable. In fact, they were seeing the absolute opposite of grace and peace in abundance. They were seeing hard times. They, they were seeing difficulty. They were seeing trials. But he goes on to say in 1 Peter 1.3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we can ask the question, where does this hope spring from? And, and Peter tells us, he says, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And because of his resurrection, we have something to look forward to. Peter tells us, he, he goes on to say that there's an inheritance in heaven for us because of the hope that we have in Jesus. There's this inheritance that we can look forward to. And he says that this inheritance or or really the, the hope of Jesus rising from the dead is the foundation of faith. It's the foundation of faith. And the rest of chapter one and chapter two of first Peter is full of exhortations on how we are to live in light of what God has done for us. And Peter tells us, he he tells us that the trials that we go through refine and build our faith. He also says that even though we can't see God, we can know him and we can love him. And then he says that because God loves us, we should keep a clear mind. And what, what that means is, is that sometimes when we're going through real difficult things, understanding um, goes away and our mind gets clouded because we're so worried about what's going on. We're so worried about our circumstances that our mind gets clouded and we start to question God and we start to question his love. 
And that's exactly what Peter wants to warn his readers against. He said, because God loves us, we should keep a clear mind. The circumstances that you're going through are no reflection on God's love. No reflection on God's love. And then he says, instead of conforming, instead of giving in to the evil of the world, we should be holy like God is holy. And so when we're going through tough times, when we're going through difficulty, and instead of kind of just giving in and, and maybe even getting angry and maybe even starting to reflect the brokenness that we see, then instead of those things, we should be holy like God is holy. And that we should do these things because of Jesus. Because he died for the sin of the world. And so we should have changed lives. We should live lives of faith that hope and lives of faith with a hope that springs from that faith, regardless of what's going on. And we're not going to jump real deep into chapter 3, but there's a profound thought here that we should embrace. Peter tells this group of believers that if they're going to suffer, suffer for doing good. Now, they had different circumstances, and I realized that their circumstances were because of sinful evil, because of the things that people were doing to them. Their trials, trials were inflicted on them by other people. And what we're going through is not the same thing, and yet there's some application. 1 Peter three thirteen and 14 says, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And so we have to translate this into our context. Our current situation isn't the result of sinful evil. Yes, the people making decisions might make bad decisions. Yes, people might even make sinful or selfish decisions. But this virus is a different kind of evil. It is a result of the broken world that we're in. But given where we're at, we can choose to do what is right when the temptation might be to protect ourselves. And so instead of blaming each other in the other political party, we pray for all political parties to seek wisdom from God. So instead of pointing fingers at other nations or other people, we look for ways to cooperate on solutions. So instead of hoarding food and supplies, we look for opportunities to share So instead of giving in to anxiety, we regularly, moment by moment and day by day, choose faith over fear. So instead of getting angry with other people, we choose peace. So instead of focusing on Fox News and CNN and CNBC or fill in the blank with your favorite news station, we tune in more often to the good news that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And so what does it look like? What does it look like to put these things into practice? And here's my suggestions. First, remember that this will pass. In John 16, 33, Jesus was comforting his disciples because he'd already told them that he was going to be arrested And we know that after he was arrested, he was tortured and he was crucified. 
And at the beginning of um, John chapter 14, he, he said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, and, and that's in there, but also is, is that, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. He's, he's saying all of these words of comfort. And after he's been trying to encourage them for a while, there's, there's also discomfort in there. Is there's going to be bad things that get, happen. I'm going to be arrested, um, tortured, and die. But in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And so regardless of what's happening, you can know, you can know that I've overcome the world. You know, this will pass. We don't know exactly how, we don't know exactly when, but we can know that it will pass. The second thing is, is remember that not everything you read and hear is true. And I can say, watch also. The news that we're hearing is all over the map. And a lot of it is more prediction than actual. Fear is thinking about the future as though it were true. And when fear is allowed to tell us the story, it often makes true what should not be true. So turn away from fear. Turn away from who says this and who says that and press into the promises of God. That's the third one. Press into what is true. Press press into God's news. Press into the gospel, which means good news. And the good news is this. God loves us. He loves you so much that he stepped out of heaven John 3.16, I know that it's quoted often enough that it seems almost cliche, but it's so important for us to remember. You know, just for God to love the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall live, shall be saved. And we often stop reading there, but it said that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Accept this good news. And then lean into the promises of God. Lean into those things that we know to be true, like the fact that he loves us in spite of what our circumstances say. Yes, bad things happen. Yes, evil affects us. And we may not be able to do a lot about the natural brokenness of our world that we're seeing right now, like the coronavirus. But there's one thing that we can do. We can deal with the sin in our own lives. And we can just deal with the brokenness that's inside of us. And really, that's what I would encourage us to do right now because that's good news. The good news is is that even though there's hurt and there's pain in us, that, um, that even though there's hurt and pain in us, that God is still at work and that he is so willing to, so willing to help us. And so it's just really important for us to remember is, is that he invites us, he invites us to come to him. We can deal with the one problem that we can deal with right now. The virus may be out of our control, but we can deal with the sin that's in our own lives. 
And in the book of Romans, there's all kinds of scriptures that help us understand what this looks like. And people have actually called it the Romans road. And here's the first part of the Romans road is Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has sinned. And the problem is, is that we can't do anything about our sin. We can't take away our sin. We can't do enough good things to outweigh or overcome the sin in our lives. And this is the problem. This is the problem. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You know, there's, it's, it, the Romans road is, is that um, the, the idea is, is that we're all on a road, but it's the wrong road and it leads to death. That's the problem. It's the road to, to death. At the same time, there's another road and it's a good road. It's the right road. And we're invited to, to get on that path, that way, that road. So Romans 6.23, yes, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Otherwise, he takes the problem as his own. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so there's this wrong road, but there's this right road. And the great thing is, is that we can make a U-turn and we can go back and we can get on the right road. But that road is a toll road. And it's almost like there's this barrier in front of it. And, and, um, and we can't get past that barrier unless there's a fee, unless there's a price. But here's the amazing thing is, is no matter how much money we have, no matter what we have to try to get beyond that barrier, we don't have it. But the great thing is, is that God has what we so desperately need to get on that road. And we're told that it's free to us. It is a gift of God given to us. And that it's eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so that barrier is removed. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in first, uh, or excuse me, Peter. The Apostle Peter talks about this um, in uh, his letter. In chapter 1, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. You're, you're, you, don't, you, you didn't get in the right place based upon gold or silver or anything that you can get from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, that he paid the price and the price was the ultimate price. It was literally his blood, his death on the cross. And so we can, we can be on the right road because of Jesus. And how do we do that? How do we do that? And the answer is, is that we do it by faith. Romans 10, 9 through 11 explains it. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And so that's, that's the beautiful thing is, is that when we 
recognize that the road that we're on is not the right road. And when we come back and when, when we say, is, is God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And I know that I can't deal with my problem on my own. I can't deal with my sin. And we can um, confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus took away the problem and then he did it by giving himself on the cross. And then there's a promise. There's a promise that when we confess with our mouth and when we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, when we have said, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to be the one in charge. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want to follow you. And we can just submit our lives to him. And then the promise is found in Romans chapter 8. And it says, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 35, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That once we put our faith in him, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? And then verse 37, no, and all of these things, we are more than conquerors through, um, through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor the coronavirus, that's not in there, but I'm throwing it in there, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's that promise. It's the good news that I was talking about. The promise that we don't have to live in fear. That we can choose faith. And that he loves us regardless of our circumstances. And that he loves us so much that he takes care of our biggest problems. He takes care of sin. He takes care of death. And both of them are a bigger problem than the coronavirus. And that we can trust in him. And that we can pray to him. And we can ask him for daily wisdom to deal with all of the other things that we're dealing with. And so if you haven't done that, then I want to invite you to do that, to just say, and you might say it out loud right now. You can say it in the chat box on Facebook. You can, you can say it um, uh, in the chat box on the church website. You can, you can send us an email online, but just say, as is, hey, I put my faith in Jesus and I am confessing that he is Lord and I'm believing in my heart that he is Lord. And if for some reason... If for some reason you've already made that commitment, but you've been distant, then just to reaffirm that and recommit to that and let us know. I mean, we would love to send you some information about next steps. We'd love to send you a Bible. But just to, just to make that confession known to someone else. We're going to end with worship this morning. We're going to end with a song. And while that song is... While that song is being sung, you can actually just reaffirm the words of the song. If you've already committed your life to Christ, then you can just reaffirm, I believe in Jesus. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, then I just want to encourage you is is that this song can literally be your prayer and then let us know about it. Thank you. All right, church, let's sing this proclamation together. Here we go.
have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning If you sang the words of the, that song, if you prayed it for the first time, then we would love it if you'd reach out to us. We would love it if you'd make that confession. And just really thinking about the words, I have decided to believe in Jesus. No turning back, no churning back. So this is it. Is this is it making that decision? And if you've already made that decision, then just really living in it every day and in every way. Hey, pray for each other this week. Pray for our nation. It's been good for us to be together. And I pray in God's name that you're just feeling his blessing, his encouragement, and that regardless of what's going on, that you have a living hope and that you're living in it every single day. If you get discouraged, if you need someone to pray with you, please call us here at the church. We will get back to you. We'd love to pray with you. If we can do anything at all for you, please let us know. It's in the name of Jesus that we've worshiped together, and it's in the name of Jesus um, that we're going to go about our days, do something fun with your family. In God's name, amen.